Welcome to Bellu Sports Segment, Episode 10. The show is back after a break for the holidays. And as I always say, if you haven't already followed the show on Instagram and Twitter, go ahead and do that at Bellu's underscore sports. That's at B-E-L-L-U-S underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Okay, let's jump right in. So for the college football playoff, Alabama took down Cincinnati 27-6 in the Cotton Bowl. That really wasn't much of a game. Um, it was most it was mostly just Alabama dominating the entire time. Uh, Cincinnati had two field goals. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati's defense did a decent job for ex- especially the first half, holding them to not a whole lot of points. But in the end, I, I think it just kind of ended the way that a lot of people thought it would. That just it, Cincinnati, as good of a season as they had, and as much as they deserve to be there, having to play Alabama like that, it just it just didn't seem like it was really going to happen. So it just kind of went like everybody thought it would. Plus, you know, everybody everybody in the college football world, they want Alabama there. So you could kind of see that coming. And then the other game, the Orange Bowl, Georgia destroyed Michigan 24-11. to Even though that score, it's pretty dominant. But if you watch the game, Michigan could not do anything. And Georgia just kept throwing the ball, running the ball, doing whatever they wanted to. And it really was not much of a game the entire time. And uh, the first half, it, Michigan just could not do anything at all, which was pretty shocking because Michigan had really uh, had a good run there at the end of the season. And a lot of people really thought that they had a lot of potential to win this game and some in the future, you know. And um, it, Georgia, they just showed their dominance that they had the entire season. And I think that they would have been even more heavily favored than they were if they hadn't lost to Alabama. But it just, like I said, it just really showed that their their defensive dominance, that that's what they've been riding through most of this season. And uh, it, except for that one little blip against Alabama, and uh, we're going to see a matchup on that. Because the matchup in the college football championship is going to be Alabama and Georgia on January 10th. So I think that's going to be a good game for ratings because they're they're apparently the two best teams. I know Georgia really should be there. Alabama, I didn't really expect to be there uh, kind of halfway through the season. But towards the end, you could see it shaping up that Alabama was going to not take no for an answer and just going to dominate and make their way there to keep things normal. I remember, I think it was the second or third week of the college football season, and I saw that Georgia was really being dominant over a lot of teams. And then Alabama, it seems like, they're either in the championship every single year or in contention for it. And I'm like, okay, is that what it's going to be this year? It's going to be Georgia, Alabama. It's it's just it's basically uh, Alabama and then just a blank spot for whoever the other team is in the championship pretty much every year. Uh, past couple years has been Clemson, LSU the one year. So we'll see. Uh, and plus, Clemson kind of fell off this year. They, they were not dominant at all. So uh, that's about all for college football. We'll see how that uh, championship goes. And... Uh, I think that Georgia should win this, and I think that that game that they played before where they lost to Alabama, that gives them a little extra motivation, and I think that they're going to correct whatever mistakes they made in that game and really come out and um, do everything they can to stop Alabama this time. I, I My prediction would be Georgia for the win, but I think it'll be a very good game, and it would not be shocking if Alabama won, but I, I'm going to take Georgia on this one. But moving to the NFL... Uh, one of the biggest stories this week is Ben Roethlisberger's last home game at Heinz Field. That was on Monday Night Football. It was also the last Monday Night game 
for this season. And, uh, you know, I'm a Steelers fan. I like Ben Roethlisberger. And this this game was enormous for anybody who likes that team. It was it, it was something very special because I really wanted to watch. I watched the whole thing beginning to end. They had all kinds of tribute packages before the game started. That's all they talked about on the pregame show. And uh, I know that it says that if you list a lot of these new places and they say what assumes to be Ben's last game at home because there hasn't been an official statement yet saying that he officially will retire after the season. It was just all of that leaked information and all that stuff. But after all of this, there's no question. This was the end for him. Uh, and it's it, it really is is crazy to see how much love he got from the city. And I mean it's not it's not anything that wouldn't be unexpected because he's been there for 18 seasons. Another crazy fact is that Ben Roethlisberger has not had a losing season while he's there, and Mike Tomlin has not either. And I think the stat was that Ben Roethlisberger has been in playoff contention when it comes down to the final week of the season in all of his 18 seasons except for two. So 16 out of 18, they have not been eliminated from the playoffs when it comes down to the last week of the season. I think that those two statistics are crazy in the NFL. There was never even one season that Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger just were like, oh, you know, this wasn't our year or something. Every year they are in contention for something, which has been really crazy when you look at it, how long that's been going on. And uh, Ben and Mike Tomlin, they have 135 wins together. That ties uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton for second most by a quarterback coach in the Super Bowl era. And uh, also, uh, Ben Roethlisberger tied Brett Favre for most wins in a venue. I think they're tied for third most behind Tom Brady and John Elway. I don't remember the numbers on that, but I think it was Tom Brady won in Foxborough, and then uh, John Elway at Mile High, and then um, Brett Favre in Green Bay, and then Ben Roethlisberger at Heinz Field. I think it was... I don't remember how many it is, but they're tied. So neither of them are going to play another home game. So they'll be tied forever. Watching the end of that game, it, it just seemed like, well, the Steelers had to win this game, first off. They had to win because all of this cool stuff and this whole storyline of Ben Roethlisberger's last magical game at home would have really been ruined if the team didn't win. And it was not a guarantee going in that they were going to win because nothing has been really guaranteed with the Steelers this season and the end of last season. You never really know what team is going to show up, whether they're going to be able to do things or just come out completely flat and not be able to do anything. So you really don't know what you're going to get. But this game, as I assumed, they got that extra motivation. Everybody really wanted this win for this reason. Plus, uh, Ben Roethlisberger has owned the Cleveland Browns throughout his career. I think he's 23 and four and one against them in his career. I don't have the numbers, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Twenty-three, four and one, uh, and that's and that includes that playoff loss last season where the Browns just killed the Steelers in the playoffs, which is shocking because that was just one year ago. And the Browns have really had a disappointing season this year, really disappointing, mathematically already eliminated from the playoffs, and uh, with two weeks to go, and people had them deep into the playoffs. Maybe even a Super Bowl contender. I mean, that's a stretch because they're the Cleveland Browns. But it still, they really had a lot of high expectations this year. And also, Baker Mayfield, with his injuries, he has not been playing well at all. He has had a really hard time 
throwing the ball accurately and just he he's been sacked a ton and it's just it's been bad. He had four interceptions last week. I think he had two this week, and he was sacked nine times by the Steelers in this game. Nine times, four by T.J. Watt. And if if he's not Defensive Player of the Year, something's wrong. It's got to be T.J. Watt. He's two sacks away from breaking Michael Strahan's all-time sack record, and he had four in this game alone. And he really can just take over a game. And when the Steelers have him on the field, it's just it's a it's noticeable. It's very noticeable. If he doesn't get it this year, he's been denied two years in a row. He has to get it this year. But like I said, uh, like they had to win this game, and they they were up through the whole game. And then right at the end, when Najee Harris broke this big run, it was about forty yard run down the down the sideline. All they needed was to pick up two yards for a first down to clinch the game. And he broke it for a touchdown. That was super cool to see, and it really just made it even better. And if that wasn't good enough, then as Baker's out here just trying to throw something down the field in desperation stuff with about 10 seconds left in the game, uh, the receiver gets hit, ball pops up in the air, Steelers intercept it, Ben gets to come out and kneel the ball for the win which was really cool to see. Um, I've been a Ben Roethlisberger fan. He's He's only been the quarterback I've ever known for the Steelers since I've been watching football and basically since I've been alive because he's been there for 18 seasons. I'm 23. I was five years old when he started playing football and he's been their quarterback consistently the entire time. So seeing Pittsburgh without him is crazy, honestly, because uh, you always know that that number seven jersey is going to be playing quarterback on Sunday for the Steelers every single week, no matter what. And it doesn't matter what injury he has because he always played through them. You know, cue the graphic of all the annotated drawings of the thousand things that he has throughout his career. But it, it was it was really cool seeing all that stuff that they had for him at the end of the game. He had, did a victory lap around the stadium, and it was pretty cool. But the season's not over. they got to play the Ravens this week coming up, which also uh, the Steelers are still technically alive in playoff contention, but uh, they need some help. I know that the Colts have to lose to Jacksonville. That's a stretch, but it's not impossible. And then uh, the Raiders and Chargers cannot tie, which, again, uh, that's kind of odd. But the crazy thing is if they do tie, they could both go to the playoffs. So, you know, it all comes down to that Colts-Jacksonville game, which is not the team that you really want to have all your hopes riding on, considering Jacksonville has been the worst team in the league pretty much all season. But uh, anyway, great game to watch. Uh, it was really cool, and I'm glad it was on Monday Night Football prime time. Uh, so, uh, but to move forward, uh, the Cardinals beat the Cowboys 25 to 22. That was an interesting game because I really thought that the Cowboys should come in there and win, but I was not surprised that the Cardinals did win because the Cardinals had really took their foot off the gas the past three or four weeks and have not been playing good football. But the Cowboys have just been kind of inconsistent this year on and off when they win they dominate like look at that win over the Washington football team the week before they killed it It was like 50 something to 10 it was crazy uh and you know it just seemed like oh my god they're gonna be in the Super Bowl they're gonna win the Super Bowl who's gonna stop them their defense their offense everything is firing you know you watch ESPN that's all it was all week and then they come out flat against the Cardinals and Their defense has played well through most of the season, and everybody knows that the All-Stars that they have and that they've shown up, they have an interception in every single game this season, which is crazy. Um, But the Cardinals, 
they have a lot of talent. It's just they seem to fall off at the end of the season. It's happened the past couple of years, and it seemed to be happening again. They came into this game, and the Cardinals really just just played their game, and um, they beat the, the Cowboys. They could not do anything on offense at all, really. Ezekiel Elliott could not get anything going, and um, it just the Cowboys weren't there, and they have a lot of stuff to figure out if they're going to be able to make it through the playoffs. I personally don't believe in the Cowboys. I think that they're a very good team. They have a lot of stuff, a lot of weapons, but it's just I've seen this throughout the whole season that there is um, these random weeks where they just kind of fall off, and it's only happened a couple of times, but when you get into the playoffs, if you get one of those games, you're done. And, you know, and I, I think that's what's going to happen is they're going to get to the playoffs. I don't know what team it's going to be, but they're going to have to play somebody maybe in the divisional round. And I think that they're just going to have one of these flat games and that's going to be the end of it. And, uh, and it's going to be disappointing. Typical Cowboys postseason loss. But uh, probably one of the biggest stories, probably the biggest one besides the Steelers, was that the Bengals beat the Chiefs 34-31. And uh, Cincinnati now has clinched their division, and uh, they had all the shirts and all that stuff on. And it was—I'm very happy they took down the Chiefs. I know that as a Steelers fan, you're not supposed to like the Bengals, but uh, I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. Liked him from LSU and Jamar Chase as well. So I'm not cheering for the team, but I'm cheering for them individually. So if they—if they're doing good things, that's great. Um, happy for them. And. They, they win this. And what's crazy is, you know, if you don't forget, Cincinnati was the worst team in the league just three years ago. Honestly, two years ago, really. But then they draft Joe Burrow, first overall pick. He comes in there, and his rookie season, he's playing well, tears his knee. You know, has to go through all this rehab, took him out for about half the season. So he, he never even got to finish his rookie season. So this season has been his first full season he's played, and he's playing at a super high level. Yeah, there's been a couple of little hiccups this year on a couple of weeks where he, he threw a couple of interceptions, a couple of stupid plays, but he's only been in the league for a year and a half. And to see the level he's playing at is crazy. He had that 500-yard game the week before. This week he had 400 yards. He has almost 1,000 total yards in, uh, in passing yards within two weeks. And they took down the Chiefs, which within the past couple of weeks, people have been saying that they're basically unbeatable again. And Cincinnati came out here and beat them. And both teams played a good game. And it's not like the Chiefs came out here and sucked. They played a good game. Cincinnati just played better. And I, I think this is a very young team. And I think that going into the future, this probably in the whole NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals are one of the best teams for the future. Because they have so much young talent there. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, um, Joe Mixon. All of these people have all of this potential. And they're all very young. And I could see them in the Super Bowl within a year or two. I don't think that that's a stretch. I don't think it's this year. Uh, they're a very good team. But uh, they're just too young. And I don't think that they're going to make it uh, too far into the playoffs. But, I mean, they can. They have the ability to do it. It's just I don't think this is their year. I think they need a couple more pieces, a little bit more time to develop these players, maybe draft one or two more people and really put it together. And I think that they're going to be a serious team within the next two years. But that's, that's crazy. And the Chiefs shows that they're beatable and going into this uh, last week in the NFL, going in the playoffs. So 
Uh, we'll see how that goes with them. But talking about Super Bowl stuff, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady had a game-winning drive to beat the Jets. It was crazy that the Bucs were behind uh, against the Jets for most of the game. And then, of course, you give the ball to Tom Brady. They need a touchdown to win. He marches them down the field. It was about 90-yard 90 90-yard drive, no timeouts in about two minutes. And it just was easy. Just sliced them up. It was a clinic. Just went right down the field. No problem. No Chris Godwin. No Antonio Brown. And uh, no Leonard Fournette. Doesn't matter. Just take him down the field. Score a touchdown. Easy. And I mentioned Antonio Brown. He just took his shirt off, took his pads off, and just said, I'm done. Left this field. And to my knowledge, there's really not been a concrete reason for it yet. All I know is that uh, the coach, uh, Bruce Arians, just told him, get in the game. And he said, no. And he said, if you're not going to go in the game, well, then then get, then get then leave. So he just ripped his stuff off and left. I don't know what the, all that was about. I don't get it. I know that Tom Brady took him in during the offseason before and the season before, and he was living with Tom Brady for a while. And the only reason why he wanted to play in Tampa was to play with Tom because he respected him so much. And, I mean, clearly there's no respect here. I don't know what his problem is. There's definitely something mentally wrong with Antonio Brown. And people say this stuff. I swear it's that hit from Vontez Perfect from, like, seven years ago or whenever that was. I don't know. I remember that. He got knocked out cold on the field when the Steelers were playing them. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It's possible that he could have been like this all the time, and then it's just really unraveled here lately. I don't really know. Maybe the Steelers just kept it covered up for all those years, but it really did not seem like it. And a guy like this, there's no way you cover that up for all those years. But um, it seems I, I would have to guess that he's done in the NFL. I don't know what team at this point is picking him up when you literally just quit in the middle of a game when they need you. Because even though he's an, you know, an idiot most of the time, Antonio Brown, he's still a good football player, and he really gave the Buccaneers a good deep threat uh, for Tom Brady to throw the ball down the field. I know last year during their Super Bowl run, he was really helpful for that team. And this year when he's been on the field, he was very helpful. And, I mean, he's gone, so and they have no Chris Godwin. So, I mean, that's not good for um, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I, I don't really know. I, they've had a lot of issues. they got injuries, like I said, Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin and their defense. Uh, but they're still a good team. They're still going to be in the playoffs. Are they going to make it back to the Super Bowl? I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome all of this, even with Tom Brady. If there's anybody who can, it would be him. But I don't know. I think that that is definitely something to watch and see how they're able to handle it in these next this next week and then um, in the first round of the playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. Um, it'd be really cool if they could overcome it just because at this point, it's just, I, I watch every Tom Brady game I can just because I know that I'm watching history every time he plays at this point. So, I mean, give him another Super Bowl. Who cares at this point? I don't think, I think everyone's kind of over the Tom Brady hating and being jealous of him. I think everyone's kind of over that and they're just appreciate him playing. I think that's kind of where we're at. And a lot of that had to do with his move from the Patriots to the Buccaneers because everyone was sick of New England. Him coming, there was not a better move for Tom Brady, for his career, than to leave New England and come to Tampa Bay in terms of popula popularity because everybody loved him in New England. Obviously, they still do for the most part. 
But in terms of the country, everybody else is so sick and tired of the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Now that he's down in Tampa, it's a lot more likable atmosphere, and a lot of people like him more. I know it's it's a lot. It's just a lot easier to cheer because you got so tired of that, and so do the rest of the country. So, good move for him. Uh, a couple last little things here. Uh, the Raiders took down the Colts by three, and um, that was a little bit of a shock, but they had some extra motivation because they had a huge John Madden tribute uh, at that game, and uh, all across the league, actually, all week, they had a, a moment of silence and a tribute for John Madden across the league at every single game, and that was really cool that they did that, and I've seen so much uh, of John Madden clips this week, and they're all great. I watched the documentary on Christmas, the All Madden documentary. If you haven't seen that, I recommend it. It's an hour and a half. It's on ESPN Plus and stuff like that, something else. I'm not sure, but it was it was a great documentary, and then he died three days after that documentary was released, which blew my mind that, that that's the way it happened. And it was kind of out of nowhere. And, you know, I remember, I know quite a bit about him before this documentary, but really watching this and hearing all these stories all week, I mean, what a fantastic guy and loved football and people and all this stuff. And, I mean, I, I remember the the last game that he called was the first football game I really watched, which was Super Bowl Forty Three between the Steelers and the Cardinals. And it's really what made me like a Steelers fan, honestly, was that game. And... It was it was crazy, uh, that game, and it was one of the best Super Bowls of all time, and it was his last game that he called, and that's very fitting, and uh, just seemed like like one of the best guys you could ever meet, and super cool person. But uh, like I said, Raiders won this week. They had a sticker on their helmet for him and all that, and uh, really made things interesting in that division because now it comes down to the Raiders and the Chargers, see who goes to the playoffs. And then the Colts are in trouble now because they needed to kind of win out to make sure everything was straight with them. And lastly, the Washington football team lost to the Eagles 20-16. to And I really wouldn't bring this up that much, but uh, I really want to talk about the Washington football team because they are getting a new name on February 2nd this year. So that's not very far off. And uh, they released a statement today. They, they announced that on February 2nd uh, that the official name and jersey and helmets will all be revealed. And I think they just need something positive because literally there's not been one positive thing coming out of Washington this whole season. I mean, it's crazy, all the negative stuff that's been coming out. Um, all I, They have not announced anything else other than that. I think it's funny that it's on Groundhog's Day because uh, on Groundhog Day because it's just, I don't know. I, I, why would you pick that day? I don't know why. But... Um, I know that they said one of the favorites of the names, the Red Wolves and uh, the Wolves, they could not use. They said that because of other trademarks that other teams hold. Wouldn't that be the first thing that you check when you're looking for a team? Like They're like, oh, can we even do this? I don't know why that would be made it this far, two years of planning, and then they'd rule it out last second because some team has the rights to it. I don't get it. But the, the finalists for the, uh, the new name is the Armada, the Presidents, the Brigade, the Red Hawks, the Commanders, the Red Wolves, the Defenders, and the football team. I, imagine if you go through all of this and they just stuck with the football team. That'd be hilarious. 
but anyway, that's supposed to be revealed. And apparently they got this whole new jersey change. I think there's still maroon and gold, but uh, I think it'll be interesting. Hopefully it looks good because they it's not often that a team has an opportunity to completely rebrand everything. So make it really, really good <laughs> um, if you have that opportunity to do it. So we'll see when that comes out. It's not too far away, so that's pretty cool. And lastly, the betting segment. Um, just a couple little things here for over-unders. I like the Steelers-Ravens under 42 this week. As we all know, Steelers-Ravens games historically are always low scoring. I think the last game had a total of like 30 points or something like that. It was not much. The Steelers won um, on a failed two-point conversion by the Ravens. Stop me if you've heard that before. Um, but I think that it'll stay under again um, because Steelers really can't score a whole lot of points this year. And uh, the Ravens, they are so beat up. Um, everywhere uh running back quarterback defense everything that i don't think that they're gonna score a whole lot either i don't know if lamar will be back or not it'll either be huntley or lamar i'm not sure who it'll be they're very similar um i don't know I, the only thing that could threaten this under would be that the steelers are able to score on the beat up ravens defense but i don't know and then the ravens be able to run all over the terrible run defense of the steelers so i don't know maybe i just talked myself out of the under but I don't think so. I think it's still going to be an under. Historically, that's the way it always is. So I'd stick with that. I like the 49ers, Rams under 44 and a half. Both of these teams have been playing pretty good recently, but a lot of them have not been super high scoring. The 49ers is a lot of uh, running game. It's not a lot of passing. And we still don't know the status of Jimmy Garoppolo and his thumb. I don't know if it'll be him or Trey Lance playing this week. I think that's kind of a game time decision or maybe a little bit of both. Not a fan of that. Trey Lance did a good job last week, but I think it could be under this week. And then uh, Chargers, Raiders over 49 and a half. Both of these teams have been involved in shootouts multiple times this year. I think it's very possible for them to do that. Plus, if they're both fighting for that last playoff spot, then they're going to do anything they can to get it. So, and I, neither one of their defenses are great. Um, however, both these offenses can sputter and kind of go flat. So hopefully that doesn't happen this week with either team, because if that happens, then this over shot because it's pretty high. But I think that the over in this game probably could hit. And then uh, last couple things here. I mentioned this earlier. I like Jacksonville money line over the Colts. That's a stretch. But at least take Jacksonville plus 15 and a half. I mean, come on. Plus 15 and a half. you got to cover that. That's over two touchdowns. And a lot of people would say, how is this possible? I saw a statistic that the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. Now, I know they have Jonathan Taylor now. But, I mean, that's got to be a little bit of a mental thing, right? Coming into this game, going to Jacksonville, considering that there's a lot of, a lot of things at stake here for the Colts. Nothing for Jacksonville. And, they, you know, Jacksonville come out here and just do whatever they want to do, and it doesn't matter to them, but the Colts have to get this win. A lot of pressure, and um, I don't know. I, and remember back that Jacksonville had that weird win over the Bills earlier this season, so it could be another weird fluke win for uh, Jacksonville. I don't know. I hope they do. It helps the Steelers out. So that's one reason why I'm even really paying attention to this game. But I, I don't know. I think it's possible. Um, Dolphins plus seven uh, against the Patriots. I think that uh, the Dolphins are going to rebound this week and uh, come out playing. 
I think they're eliminated from the playoffs, unfortunately now, because they lost last week. No one in seven team has never, no one in seven team has ever made the playoffs, uh, and they they were close. They were basically one or two games away from doing it. But uh, I don't think they're going to beat the Patriots. The Patriots just put up 50 on Jacksonville last week, which doesn't help my previous argument. But uh, the Dolphins, I don't know. I, they might be able to do it. I don't. I don't know. The Patriots. They, I think they got out all their frustration last week. So maybe Dolphins plus seven. Jets plus 16 and a half against the Bills. I can't believe that that number's that high. They just. They almost beat the Buccaneers this week. Like I said, Tom Brady had to lead a, lead a game-winning drive at the end of the game. I don't think the Jets are going to win, but, I mean, plus 16 and a half. I mean, they get they get paid to play football, too. They've been playing okay. The Bills are not fantastic. They're good. Um, but I think that the, Jet, the Jets aren't going to lose by uh, 17 points, I don't think. It's possible because of the Jets, and they could just do nothing. And they could have like five interceptions, but uh, I, I don't think so. I think that they should be able to cover that against the Bills. And lastly, one last little Steelers thing. I think the Steelers will cover plus five and a half against the Ravens. I think that the Steelers are going to win. Uh, I think so, because just because they got that little sliver of hope that they could make the playoffs uh, and the Ravens are so beat up, I think the Steelers might be able to clutch this one out barely in a tight, low-scoring game. And... Uh, even if the Steelers don't win, I don't think it's going to be like this high-scoring game. So I think it'll definitely be within five and a half. It'll be a close one, probably down to a field goal one way or another. Because you got Justin Tucker and Chris Boswell, who are both super reliable kickers. going to be a lot of field goals, I feel like. I don't. That's just, that's just a guess. Um, but that's all I got for this week. And uh, Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, we'll catch you next time.